0: live from the NextCast Phanthropological Institute. It's the only podcast made 100% using Vocaloid technology. Today we're talking about Atsune Miku fans. Hello everyone, and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast that brings the fans' eye view to you. I am Nick G, and uh, welcome this week as we are going to discuss fans of Japan's pop sensation, Hatsune Miku. Here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick Z. Hello
1: everybody out there, I am the vocaloid, Zatsune Ziku.
0: And Nick T?
2: It is the distant future, the year 2000.
0: <laughs> we are robots. The implication I was making is that we were all versions of the same Vocaloid named Nick. Oh, that would have made more sense.
2: <laughs> Why did you program me to make mistakes, uh, random fans on the internet? <laughs> definitely, definitely a thing that is happening right now.
0: Oh, man. Can you imagine a crowdsourced podcast? <laughs> would
2: that be great or would that be
0: terrible? Like, everybody's sourcing syllables.
2: Yeah, down of the scenes. Oh.
0: It'd be like Twitch plays Pokemon.
2: my yeah, nobody I I don't think anybody wants that. <laughs> Pokemon has like an endearing quality to it. I'm not sure that a bunch of random syllables would have the same. It would just sound <laughs> like garbage. Yeah, it would sound pretty rough. Oh my goodness. Alright, I'm just gonna dive right into the fandom facts because on this this is the podcast where we waste mm-hmm. no time except for all of the time. Is that our right? that's not our tagline.
0: Except for all the time that we waste.
2: <laughs> yeah. So you might be wondering, who is Hatsune Miku and why are we talking about her, them, it, she, something? Hatsune Miku is a Vocaloid. What is a Vocaloid? You might ask. We've already used the word like five or six times. There's <laughs> probably has no meaning at all. It was really hard this week to do the research and not get a much deeper understanding of what the heck this whole everything is.
0: It Took me a good deal of time to understand exactly what was being talked about. <laughs> With regards to Vocaloid and who or what Hatsune Miku is.
2: Right? Oh my goodness. So, what is a Vocaloid? A Vocaloid is a singing synthesizer application developed by Yamaha, which you may know for its variety of different instruments that it produces. It was an international effort to create a synthesizer to act as a replacement singer. The original Vocaloid engine was released in 2004, which was three years before Hatsune Miku, who was the second Vocaloid released as part of the Vocaloid 2 engine. So, like, there's all sorts of different Vocaloid engines. Each of them provides different speech and musical capabilities. Mm -hmm. Hatsune Miku was the first member of the character vocal series created by Krypton Future Media Inc. There's, like, three particularly popular Vocaloids, Hatsune Miku being one of them, Mm -hmm. and they make all of those. Her name literally means the first sound from the future. Yeah, yeah. Dang. It's like Hatsu is first, Ne is like a cutesy sound, and then Miku sounds like something for the future. I forget. It's like
1: the personal name
2: version of the word for the future. That makes sense. She is also uh, a humanoid persona, a 16-year-old girl with long turquoise tintails, and her voice is modeled after a voice actress, Saki Fujita. Mm -hmm. In September of 2007, which was when she was released, uh, Amazon.co.jp reported over 57 million yen which is over a half million U.S. dollars in sales for the Hatsune Miku software. And Hatsune Miku, the artist, has uh, recorded over 100,000 songs. This is going to get very confusing very quickly.
0: (laughs) Hatsune Miku, the most (laughs) prolific artist.
2: Yes. (laughs) Hatsune Miku, the character, Mm -hmm. the person, the media sensation, I guess, Mm -hmm. has been portrayed in many different media, is also a Japanese pop idol, among other things, apparently had a spread in Japanese Playboy. I'm taking things down the weird rabbit hole as quickly as possible.
0: <laughs> uh, appeared on David Letterman.
2: Yeah. Oh, that's true. That's very prominent in North America. Yeah. Yep. Has all sorts of concerts. Yes. One of which was in Toronto, I found out. Hmm. Oh, dang. That was, uh, I think, last year. Oh, wow. In terms of the size of the fandom, sizes of fandoms are very hard to estimate. Uh, I quickly Mm -hmm. learned as I did the research that while Hatsune Miku is a very international star, there's still a very strong interest in Japan by comparison, like disproportionately so. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to find data on that. The Vocaloid subreddit has about 15,000 subscribers. The Hatsune Miku subreddit has about 2,600 subscribers. So it's like, I don't know, how many fans are there? 15,000? No, there's more than that. Mm Mm-hmm got to be. I found an article on a, a site called Singularity Hub which talked about a concert that had happened which had over 2000 attendees which still doesn't give us a sense of scale. But then that concert was streamed in real time via Nico Nico Duga, which is a Japanese website kind of like YouTube, and there were 160,000 fans watching through that stream. Mm. So the number of fans is probably somewhere in the low hundred thousands.
0: Like, a lot. A lot, a lot.
2: Unlike most of the fandoms we've covered, interest in Hatsune Miku has been relatively steady. It obviously peaked in, like, September-ish of 2007 and October of 2007, which was when she was released. Hmm. There's been a slight decline in the past few years, but otherwise it's been relatively stable. People are interested in Hatsune Miku, and that hasn't changed dramatically. Hmm.
1: Hmm. Even though there have been new, I guess, iterations of the engine, of the Vocaloid engine... Is she still sort of front and center in advertising and that kind of thing?
0: Based on just going to the Vocaloid website, no. Hmm.
1: Interesting. Yeah. I was going to
2: say, glad you asked the hard question, Z, because obviously (laughs) I really wanted to get into how intricate all of the Vocaloid (laughs) engines
1: work. All this marketing and... hmm.
0: I didn't do that much research. (laughs) Okay. I I was just looking around on the Vocaloid website and no, she's not prominent at all. Hmm. I still haven't been able to find her, actually. Wow. I don't know if it's because it's the English website. Oh, that could be. Yeah. I don't know if that's a significant difference, but it might be. Yeah.
2: I did compare the Google Trends data of Vocaloid, the search term with Vocaloid like the literal word, with Hatsune Miku. Hatsune Miku was always on top. All of the curves followed the same trends. There were no dramatic deviations. Okay, And I think one of the things that has kept Hatsune Miku kind of on top of things is that as future versions of the Vocaloid software were released, what ended up happening is they started with the less sophisticated Vocaloid 2 engine, and then as versions 3 and 4 were released, they would release updates to the sound library for Hatsune Miku. Okay. Hmm. Including English. Oh,
3: hey.
0: And as of this month, September 2017, Mandarin Chinese. Oh. Well, it's her 10th anniversary? Yeah. Yep. She's the first trilingual
2: vocaloid. (laughs) Oh. I found out that there are vocaloids that specialize in different languages, but I didn't know that Hatsune Miku is the first trilingual one. Yeah.
0: (laughs) The selection of English vocaloids is obviously a lot smaller (laughs) than uh, Japanese, but there are some.
2: Taking a look around the world, while Hatsune Miku enjoys fans from everywhere, the most interest stems from Japan, quite prominently. Like, in terms of search incidents, it was like 100%. <laughs> I don't know how that makes sense. I didn't, I didn't think that through very much. And then, like, at the next level, at like 40% of search volume or whatever, there was Taiwan, Vietnam, Chile, Hong Kong, South Korea. Hmm. And uh, that's what I, I found out about... Hatsune Miku, in terms of fandom facts, because it was dangerous to try to figure out how how deep to go. Because it's mm-hmm. like this episode, we're going to focus on Hatsune Miku and obviously talk about Vocaloids, but there's like so much in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, let's do an episode on Toho.
0: Yeah, because it's, it's weird that we actually did, did like pick Hatsune Miku instead of Vocaloids, but because she's like the poster girl of Vocaloids. Mm-hmm. I didn't even really know that. Before we started, I knew she was a virtual singer. Yeah, that's it. She opened for Lady Gaga. <laughs> Wait, what? Yep. <laughs> what? <laughs> did did like half the crowd bail after that? <laughs> like, uh,
2: I guess real people.
0: Uh... <laughs> She's here from Miku. Yeah, the first month of her Art Pop tour, Suni Miku opened <laughs> for Lady Gaga. Cool. That's kind of cool. Yeah.
2: All right, it's time where we revisit stupid things we said last time. Or smart things, I don't know. It's usually stupid. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In no particular order, and by that I mean in the order I wrote down in the document. Z, your famous last words from last week's episode were, Hatsune Miku is popular in part due to dating sims.
1: What did you find? No corroborating evidence. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my thought process behind that question was that Hatsune Miku had the qualities that Japanese guys look for. And then those, of course, would be in Dating Sims, because, come on, Dating Sims? They're supposed to simulate dating. They definitely do not do that.
2: (laughs) That is not how that works at all.
1: You mean if I, like, don't become really good friends with a girl, I can't, like, create star children with her, then take them through a dungeon? What?
0: (laughs) Wait, what game is this?
1: It's this 3DS game. I don't remember what it's, what it's called.
2: Is that the one where you're the president of Japan?
1: No. No, it's, it's not that one. Okay. However, I did I did find a list. Um, they didn't name the Japanese magazine, unfortunately, but from rocketnews.com, I found a list of the top 23 things that make the ideal Japanese woman, apparently, at least according to this one Japanese magazine. And there were a few things that kind of matched up with Miku, like like, gotta have a cute face... It specifies black, but long hair. About 160 centimeters, so five foot three. Hatsune Miku is supposed to be like five foot two and forty eight kilograms to 100 a... hundred and six pounds. Hatsune Miku is something like ninety-five pounds? I mean the wonderful thing about
2: Hatsune Miku is there's the original art and then they played all the notes and then, you know, the fans could have the rest. <laughs> <laughs> They're done with them. Yeah. So there's actually various different I won't say incarnations, but, like, mm-hmm. depictions. Yeah, There's not, like, a canonical... I guess there is a canonical one, but, yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> Call back to episode two there. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and wears cute clothes. Out of the 23 things, some of which are very, very specific, uh, those three oh stand <laughs> out as being, you know, what Hatsune Miku seems to be. Interesting.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I tried really hard to find demographic information to see if it's like, oh, is it all guys or is it all all women? It's like, I couldn't find anything.
1: Yeah, I didn't find anything definitive either. In one of the answers on, like, Japanese Yahoo answers, it sounded like high school girls like doing Vocaloid songs at karaoke, but at some of the concert videos I was watching, it looked like the audience was mostly men. It also sounded like that, but that just might be because the guys were louder, which... At concerts does seem a little weird mm. since, you know, there are so many acts that are famous for making making all the women in the audience go crazy. So mm. no, no connection between dating Sims and the popularity of Hatsune Miku aside from there, of course, being Hatsune Miku dating Sims long after her initial release. Mm. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. Skipping the order a little bit. I'll jump to me. Mm. My famous last words were, are there male counterparts like to the different vocaloids, and is Hatsune Miku peak moe? Which was obviously a very answerable question. What did you find? <laughs> definitely, yeah, <elves>, definitely <clears throat> not that. So, the first part was actually really straightforward. There are male counterparts. Um, there's a whole page on the Vocaloid Wikia, which is like Vocaloids mascots. They actually have a classification of vocaloids. So, it's like in order to be a quote, vocaloid. Uh, They have to have a Vocaloid-powered vocal release, Mm. so it can't be one of the other competing music synthesizers. It can't be like Utau or... uh, What's the other one? Apparently there are other ones that Yamaha produces, so it can't be one of those. They had to have obtained licensed vocals, and they have to be officially confirmed as having a licensed vocal or like planning or Mm. started or whatever. No. So not super complex. But I did find that there are some male ones. Uh, There was one that showed up on the page called... I apologize because this is definitely a Chinese name because the main vocalist is Chinese and speaks in Chinese vocals. Zeng Longya okay. is one of them. There's also like Arsloid, uh Yohailoid. There were probably tons of other ones on the page. They are predominantly more likely to be female, mm-hmm. but there are actually quite a few male ones as well. Hmm. So, to answer that part of the question,
0: yeah, there are male vocaloids, they're just not as popular. There's only one in English. Really? If the Vocaloid website, it has little samples of all the different vocaloids? Okay. Like so you can tell what their voices are like versus some of the other ones. And there's only six samples of English ones. I'm assuming those are the ones that are available in English.
3: Okay. Hmm.
0: And they have like sort of ones that are not characters so much, Cyber Diva and Cyber Songman. Cyber Songman is the only male one in English.
2: Oh, wow. It must be grueling, because they take these song samples, and then they um, they must break them down into phenomes, and yeah. then, like, map them into samples, mm. and then they have to distort them, and... <laughs> Ooh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> phonemes. Do, do I do it backwards every time? Phonemes? Oh, it is phonemes. That time. I know. Yeah. I guess phenomes <laughs> would be, like, a biology thing. Maybe. I don't know. Um... <laughs> As for the Is Hatsune Miku Peak Moe, I literally typed into Google, Is Hatsune Miku Peak Moe. Google said no. Not a super helpful <laughs> search. No. Google Yeah, Google was very definitive uh, in their efforts to catalog all the information in the world that just gave a straight up no citation. Google. No. Uh, I couldn't find anything definitively linking those two things. I do have a book that I've been reading, The Moe Manifesto. I think you can see. I think she's right there on the to cover Hmm. it didn't talk about Hatsune Miku specifically but one of the interviews because it's a lot of interviews with different people talking about Moe did bring that up but like peak Moe no I don't think so I think it's an important part of her appeal which we'll get into when we talk about why people are fans of Hatsune Miku but I I don't think it's like this is it we're not getting any more Moe than this if I say (laughs) that word any more often in the next few minutes I'm going to lose all meaning of an already foreign word Yeah, (laughs) that's gonna blow up Yep. So that was the answers to my famous last words. Gee, you had a doozy.
3: hmm
0: Yeah. My best ones involve not entirely understanding what the thing <laughs> we're gonna cover next time is. <laughs> Ooh.
2: <laughs> Ooh. All right. Your famous last words were a portion of her fan base does not
0: know that she is not a real person. Yeah, so knowing that she was like software. <laughs> <laughs> software fan art and an animated form when performing then mm-hmm. hard to escape i I was picturing someone like it coming up on a spotify playlist or on the radio what like in just hearing the music mm-hmm. and someone who's like yeah i really like this music and probably someone maybe somewhere but not known but like yeah not any significant way mm-hmm I mean, that that was a hard
2: one. When I started doing the research, it's like almost everything was very <laughs>
0: clear. It's like,
2: this person is a fake. They're a phony. <laughs>
0: phony. Yeah. Not even in an interesting way was I wrong. Just like, I'm wrong. If you like know what her name is, you probably know that she's not a real person.
2: Yeah, as opposed to that <laughs> brand new Japanese pop
0: idol. All right,
2: so we got all these fans, hundreds of thousands of fans, Mm -hmm. probably. I don't know, man. A lot. You got a lot of people that are interested in a digital, open-sourced pop idol, musician, singer, multi-talented artist, celebrity, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why?
1: Well, like, you know, just on the very basic level, I'll jump in here. On the very basic level, she is like the ideal J pop idol, you know? Mm-hmm. Singing those songs, dancing around, busting the moves. I mean,
2: that sounds like the requisite for being a J pop idol. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not so much.
2: Like, it may be the ideal, but it's like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Out of all of the J pop idols that you can name.
1: Well, I mean, okay, one thing I found really interesting was that in sort of her essential stats, when I looked them up, I believe on Wikipedia. Her age is listed as 16. Is she now 26? Nope. 16 oh. forever. So there's that, right? Like, not the whole 16 forever, but more of the, you know, whatever you want to project onto her, you can. She has a bit of a backstory. She's, like, the first android singing these, quote, lost songs or whatever. But, like, she doesn't really have anything else. She has, like, a favorite food or whatever. She's She has sort of the basic... I guess, Japanese personality card filled out. I didn't look up what her blood type is.
2: I was about to ask. Unfortunately. Uh. (laughs) No reason we can't do that. You know what? You keep talking. I'll look it up.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's out there. (laughs) But, you know, you've got the very basic idea, basic details given to you. But then everything else you can fill out yourself. So it it lends itself quite a bit to fanfic, I imagine. She has no blood type. What?
0: What? Hey, our blood type is N.A.
1: Ooh. Wow, that's some
0: fancy blood. (laughs) One of a kind.
2: (laughs) One of a kind.
0: I suppose other vocaloids could be blood donors. Yeah.
2: Uh Yeah, for sure.
0: Well, one thing that I found interesting was, like, I watched a series of little documentaries that were originally used for, like, an exhibit on Hatsune Miku. Okay. For playing on, like, walls and things like that. And they talk about, like, you know, how people are able to project a bunch of things on her. Mm -hmm. And that, like, she is a name in a picture. That's pretty much it. I think... I'm not saying there are not fanfics. Because, obviously, there are. Mm -hmm. But it feels like there's not enough for a fanfic to land. Like, her personality is not even dictated.
1: No. You'd kind of just get her personality, I guess... From her whole appearance and, like, from her singing style, how she has, like, that cutesy kind of, like, perfect Japanese secretary-type voice. What? Mm. I mean, legit, that is a thing. Like, legit, Um, there there are, in Japan, there are, like, contests for, uh, like, secretary, I don't want to say Olympics because that's too elaborate, but, like, tel- at least maybe telemarketer competitions. Okay, all right. Where, like, they rank people according to all these different criteria, one of them is voice and with women they give them higher marks if like they kind of put a little falsetto in there mm. and i guess that's just a very interesting like cultural japanese thing where there's like this traditional preference for maybe a bit of a higher pitched voice for women anyway so i mean you could get that from from hatsune miku a little bit you know there there's some some dust particles <laughs> of of things you could like hydrate with A little creativity. Yeah,
0: I mean, you know, they released stuff, as she became popular, to add more tones to her voice, Hatsune Miku append. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Added more range to, like, what she could express or, like, how she could sing. So even there, you're going off in every which way. I think it's, like, you have the constant of her voice. Like, even, even with different tones, it's not like it's a different voice. It's still her voice. And, like, her general image. You know, every picture I see of her is in a different style. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, like, her general sort of appearance is constant. Everything else changes. It's like a green screen challenge writ large.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, somebody developed and released. I apologize. I probably could have done a bit more research on this. But there's an application, Miku Miku Dance, mm-hmm. which you can take. And you can animate your own Miku, Hatsune Miku video. Mm-hmm. It's like, sure, they can be the ideal Japanese pop star, whatever that means, because they can be anything. Mm -hmm. You can get her to dance to, like, satisfaction or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, anything. (laughs) Yeah, anything. Mm -hmm. It doesn't doesn't matter. But this person is a celebrity, even though, like, she belongs to no one and everyone.
1: Yeah, it's a really weird thing. I think part of the reason it has to do with Something that was pointed out in the uh, fan lore article on Vocaloids, I believe, rather than Hatsune Miku specifically. But they brought up the point that within the fandom of the Vocaloids, pretty much all of the works are fan works. Because the people who are fans of it are just fans of software. Or of the characters associated with that software. So, you know, like, a lot of the songs... I don't know if all of the songs... But, like, a lot of the songs that the Vocaloids are known for are fan-created songs. Some of the fans are actually, like, songwriters... Like it is their profession. Not to say that like amateur songwriters can't be good. They can be. But it seems really difficult to like quantify or qualify, but that whole like she belongs to everybody and nobody is kind of a big deal.
0: Well, it's like entirely collaborative. Yeah. So she has a hundred thousand songs. It wasn't some poor people trapped in a tiny basement recording studio <laughs> locked until they produced a hundred thousand Hatsune Miku songs to last them for but it's just everyone is using the technology to make songs with the same singer yeah so it's like because that voice is constant something you can like bond over instead of just being like oh this is the same genre Mm -hmm. or you know this is the same style yeah you could say that's the same person yeah singing the song yeah or if you make make your dance in the video
1: yeah even even speaking to the whole thing of genres apparently um, like I didn't, I didn't look through all 10, 100,000, 10, 10, 100, however many songs there are. <laughs> I didn't look through them all, but apparently they cover a wide variety of genres, like and even of subgenres as well, and also of, of topics. I wanted to get
2: into character, or, or just mm-hmm. rather get up to speed, and it would I'd be remiss this episode to not watch or listen to any Hatsune Miku. And after I listened to some music, uh, I did the one thing that any crazy fan of anything would do and that is find the two most incongruent things that could be mashed up <laughs> it's not the most incongruent but i found uh Hatsune Miku performing don't stop believing although now that i think about it i should have looked for enter sandman <laughs> ah! <laughs>
0: it hadn't occurred to me that you could do covers with Hatsune Miku.
2: But I guess that you can. Apparently that is a big part of it. Although now, Hatsune Miku enters Sandman. Ah! Please be a thing. Mm. You know what? I can't listen to it on the air because it'll show up in the call, but I'm definitely checking it out afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Explain Like I'm Five subreddit.
3: Ooh. Mm-hmm.
2: Somebody asked, you know, ELI5, the Hatsune Miku fandom. And somebody responded, Hatsune Miku is a virtual celebrity, which has been a popular concept in Japan since the character Sharon Apple appeared in Macross Plus. Mm -hmm. As far as trends go, it's the novelty of Hatsune Miku blended with a sense of familiarity that generate fandom, much like fictional languages in various progressive rock Zool bands. Z-E-H-U-L.
0: Yep, that was the first example they used. (laughs) This (laughs) is... some esoteric egg. stuff I know what Zul is <laughs> but like Magma? yeah Magma what? Magma it's this French prog rock band who has this entire string of albums sung in a made up language that is about the history <laughs> of this race of people from their planet being destroyed Ooh. et cetera et cetera <laughs> so you can see the parallels instantly <laughs> <laughs> All right. But yes, anyway, sorry.
2: Well, it's yeah. it's like going back to what the two of you had both said. It's the, like, regardless of how much of a collaborative effort it is, regardless of whether or not there's a Hatsune Miku or just an infinite number of variations. Yeah. The common element is the image, because mm-hmm. it's literally an image like with particular elements, not a depiction, mm-hmm. and the voice. Yes. Yep. In this case, a trilingual voice. That's right.
3: Mm-hmm. Yes, that
2: can't be everything because otherwise you would just be like Mickey Mouse can yeah. sing
0: uh-huh. so, got... I do not want to hear uh-huh. Mickey Mouse sing <laughs>
3: <Hi>. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: time for a copyright strike <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my goodness
2: uh. so it can't it can't just be that. And even though Mm -hmm. she's fully open source or distributed or however you want to describe the nature of being able to collaborate, any number of different things, there's got to be more to it than that.
1: Yeah, well, okay. One of the things that, uh, like, I looked through Reddit somewhat briefly for this, and I did, as I mentioned uh, earlier, did poke around a little bit on uh, Yahoo Japan. One of the things that kept coming up was that Hatsune Miku acted as a sort of escape from reality on reddit specifically people talked about you know dark times in their lives where they sort of uh i guess escaped into this world of the vocaloids and their songs about things like love and fun times and all that stuff but also like weird things you know like wanting to eat tuna fish or probably a song about leeks if i had to guess or you know just crazy quote random japanese type stuff it's like this land of whimsy and i guess to to some extent make-believe that they were able to escape into because of Hatsune Miku and the other vocaloids. So I think that's a part of it as well. And I found it kind of interesting, if I, I'm just going to throw this in there, on the uh, Yahoo Japan site, pretty much every thread that I looked at wasn't coming at it so much as like, you know, is it okay to like Hatsune Miku? Or what does it mean if I like Hatsune Miku? More along the lines of, why am I being regarded as an otaku for liking Hatsune Miku?
2: Oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. I mean, so there's this book that I was reading, The Moe Manifesto, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's a bunch of interviews with people about Moe, and some of them are game creators, some of them are artists, some of them are, like, scholars, feminists, etc. All sorts of different people, and it talks about, in particular, the relationship that men have with fictional characters, especially, like, Mm. given the situation in Japan, and you know what? It's a good book. not going to talk about it too much, but the (laughs) one thing that it talks about that kind of leads me to connect, like, otaku with Hatsune Miku fans is because, you know, moe is this feeling of affection or love towards a fictional character.
3: Okay. Okay.
2: It's not necessarily romantic love. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily sexual love, but it's mm-hmm. it's an attraction, which in the book is described by the many different interviewers in many different ways, but in particular it talks about it as, like, almost kind of like a first love, kind of like a flighty thing. It's hard to emulate But what it shares in common with Hatsune Miku fans is you're talking about a person, a celebrity, Hmm. who's not real. Yep. And so much like with otaku, how they, not wrongly, but like sort of cling to the the fantasy world. I'm not not making any judgments about that. It's just like, that is what a lot of otaku do. If they have these feelings of moe towards a character, since moe is so, not intrinsically otaku-ish, but like so linked to it. Mm-hmm. I can see why people would be like, okay, so you're an otaku. I'm like, no, I just like this fictional character. Yeah. Well, semi-fictional, like, I, yeah, that's a weird line.
1: Yeah, because it's got a real person's voice and well, modified voice. She really exists. Yeah.
2: She has concerts. Yeah. Yeah. But she's a virtual
0: character.
2: Yes. I don't know. I'm not sure we want to get into big epistemological discussions <laughs>
0: on the cast. <laughs> it's not like, do you like technology or not? It's like, is technology meaningful? And I think it was brought up is like, okay, she's not real. She's not a real person, mm-hmm. but you have thousands of people at her concert. Yeah. Who can bond over that experience, get really excited to see Hatsune Miku. Mm-hmm. And so it like, you know, like any other property, that can still bond people together regardless of whether or not. Yeah.
1: It kind of reminds me a little bit of Kiss. Most bands would acknowledge that when they're on stage, they are performing, not just music, but like the personas, how they act, how they interact, and all that stuff. But like Kiss, especially, I think it was Gene Simmons in particular, just said, you know, we are characters up there. You could replace us with other musicians and just give them the same characters that we're playing, and Kiss could go on forever. So I think it's a little bit of that, just like thanks to technology. taken to the extreme of like instead of having a, a sort of real person that this persona is grafted onto it's just a persona
0: another thing that was that, that was interesting that people talked about a lot was like atsunemika being ephemeral like
1: impermanent yes
0: because when she's done she poofs like and is gone she doesn't walk through like a digital door or anything like she just goes <laughs>
2: I was actually watching some of the concerts and she kind of does in some cases. Ah. Well, no, no, but yeah. like yeah. there's there's one where the concert starts and she's in like a projection of a <laughs> computer and she takes a sledgehammer and like breaks through the <laughs> screen. That's pretty great. And then there's a bunch of other ones where she's like rendering on the screen and then she like does this really cool effect where she like appears on the stage. Uh. But it's it's still a very ephemeral thing
1: be yeah really funny if at the end of a concert she went through one of those digital doors and then like these two beefy security guards showed up beside it like digital security guards
3: <laughs> That'd <have been> great
1: <laughs> so there was this article
2: i was reading on kotaku and it was talking about experiencing a concert like oh here it was the crowd went wild for hatsune miku the virtual anime pop star mm-hmm. and what was interesting about the experience is everyone knew that she was artificial that didn't diminish from the experience, but it does change it. Yeah, because you're watching a performance where the actor, like the performer, the persona, doesn't really tire. No,
0: there's no banter. The banter. The voice doesn't get hoarse at any point.
3: <clears throat>
0: Here's the part that I thought was was great. Yeah, and this is what's you know it makes it different from like everyone's watching a 3D video together versus a performance and she had a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A live band. Mm-hmm. It's like talk the talk and walk the walk. You might as well be the, <laughs> the real thing.
2: Yeah. I think the like surreal quality to it and the novelty of it helped create like a connection for fans as well. Yeah. Like that I think that's an aspect.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, we've talked a little bit like in the past about fandoms being built on shared experiences and I mean, if there's one thing that would make for a really awesome shared experience it's watching a hologram perform these songs that you've already bonded over on like the 2chan or niku nikuduga forums you know mm-hmm.
2: that is like the most futuristic cyberpunk thing i think we've ever said on this show <laughs> you know you go it's like you know can't imagine bonding over a hologram at a Not concert so
0: amazing i just want to interject here about something i said okay way earlier I was talking about the Vocaloids that are like are available in English. Cyber Songman and Cyber Diva. Mm-hmm. It's weird because they're not as much characters. They're not an anime style and they don't have like specific names. Just Cyber Songman and Cyber Diva. But they are like American English Vocaloids. Like recorded by American English speaking people. Ah. Whereas all the other English ones are Japanese people speaking
2: English. Hmm. Right. Well, speaking of Japan and given that this week we tried to take it I mean, I don't think we deliberately tried to take Hatsune Miku from a Japanese perspective. I think it unambiguously ended up there because
0: it was by far where the majority of the fandom is. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I couldn't determine specifically that the majority of the fans are male, um, it definitely, as Z was mentioning, uh, looks that way when you take a look at the concert footage mm-hmm. of any particular concert. It definitely seems to skew that way. And I I found a a core article, which was, who is the target demographic for Hatsune Miku's music? Mm. And it's like, oh, well, when it started, the target audience was what we call otaku. who enjoy anime, idols, spending time on the internet and such, particularly those who are into moe. So I'm like, all right, moe connections, starting, connecting the dots there was a different article from the vulture says hatsune miku is a piece of software she may be the future of music is the name of the article it's like for women in japan says this person i think there's a combination of cuteness and empowerment about it the women who cosplays miku in japan are often the quiet and shy women so it's a very public way of feeling empowered okay so we've got men and women
3: Mm -hmm.
2: both connecting over the moe bit and because i want to bring this book back into this When they were talking about moe in some circumstances, it talked a lot about dating sims, which... That's right, I'm tying it back to Z's answer. Hey. (laughs) Hey. Woo. One of the reasons why many otaku have these, like, moe feelings and get so attached to dating sims is because those are elements of a world that they have control over. Mm. Yes, there are cute characters. Yes, they have moe feelings towards them. And yes, they have control over the environment. There's nothing left to chance. There's a very curative aspect to it because you learn the likes and dislikes of the characters. You learn how they are and how they behave. And in a dating sim kind of situation, in the 2D world, you like know all of that. It's like fixed. It's static. Mm-hmm. In the case of Hatsune Miku, you have that to an even further degree because you can control, literally, the character. I was watching a video on Polygon talking about is Hatsune Miku a better artist than Justin Bieber, The TLDR is yes, and uh, if you want to know why, you should check out that video, which I will link to. But it was talking about how one of the first virtual reality apps that was developed was an app where you can touch Hatsune Miku. I can pick up what he put down.
0: Figure it out, yep.
2: Yep. So I think that one of the reasons, tying it all together, the Dating sims and the Moir and whatnot, Mm -hmm. one of the reasons people are fans of Hatsune Miku is because she is a vessel that fans can project either their own personal aspirations onto or their adulation in a way that cannot be rejected.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Not even in the distant world of idols. Mm -hmm. You can't write a fan letter to Hatsune Miku and get a rejection letter back.
0: (laughs) You can't have Hatsune Miku write a love song and sing it to you. Or you, you can do that. Yes, you can. If you wanted. Yeah. But
2: you're really just writing a love song to yourself. (laughs) Exactly. But like, (laughs) if you want
0: to do it, you can do it.
2: Yeah
3: yeah Mm -hmm.
2: in fact there was a quote from an article in the new statesman there was a lot of western media coverage on hatsune miku i I was very surprised (laughs) i know right (laughs) there's a quote that's like the audience however doesn't really watch and listen hatsune miku it controls her she is perhaps the world's first crowdsourced star her songs are composed by her fans who also program her stage routines using software called miku dance which i already talked about Mm -hmm. keep on pulling my strings as you wish goes one of her songs her admirers oblige oh <laughs> also you want a ridiculous meta example listen to the disappearance of hatsune miku which has like a song that is sung so fast that even if i understood japanese i'm not sure that i could understand what was being
0: said during the course <laughs> wow just strap in
1: <laughs> still it's it's curious how it got as big as it is in japan i mean it definitely has all those elements that are required like you've got that shared experience of composing songs together with your friends or, like, your online fellow Hatsune heads. (laughs) But, like, it seems almost as if there's got to be something deeper. I mean, because, like, if it was just something that appealed to fans in general, like, fandoms in general, I don't see why it's so limited to Japan.
2: telling you, it's Moe. Yeah? I think that's the big reason. Hmm. It's, like, the perfect breeding ground of people who are already like, retreating to the 2D world, and then you have a person who is, like, the synthesis of that in the 2D world and the 3D world. Mm-hmm. It's not the only reason, because otherwise you wouldn't have female fans. But, like, yeah. I think that's a big motivator for the for the male
1: fans. Mm-hmm. Another reason, actually, that I'd come across was this idea put forth by uh, Jeffrey Kane in an article from 2014 saying that... Atsunimiku Miku caught on as much as she did in Japan because Japan has, like, a very long history of being a Shintoist slash animist country. Their religion has had that sort of everything has a spirit of some kind idea for centuries, and so it's very easy for them to take an inanimate object and kind of invest it with a little bit of soul to say, like, no, don't leave that umbrella unattended for a hundred years or it'll turn into a yokai kind of thing. You want a pop idol? That's a yokai.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I've got no idea for a video game. (laughs) Ooh.
1: And then he also mentioned that apparently in Japan there's this long tradition of um, something called karakure ningyo. I hope I'm saying that correctly. But basically um, automated wooden puppets. So there is already, before the technology was there, a form of, I guess, theater that involved like... Robots? Yeah. Basically kind of early robots. Yeah. So there's like an historical cultural element going on, aside from Moe, which seems to make it like a perfect storm over Japan that's just calling out for Hatsune Miku.
2: I mean, we're talking about a country that has invested a lot into robotics and automation necessarily. Mm Mm-hmm. And as such, has imbued that sense of, like, a soul into those things, too. Why not go the whole nine yards and make a virtual singer?
0: Whereas we had Tupac on stage at Coachella, and people were like, yeah.
2: (laughs) They wanted something they hadn't seen before.
0: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's
2: like, we know what Tupac looks like. Show us something that couldn't possibly exist in real life. (laughs) What about a virtual girl who's, like, always 16 and also is, like, projected at 7 or 8 feet tall? Yeah. Actually, you know what she's like?
3: What? Barbie. Mm.
2: Okay, I'm listening.
0: Yeah, you know, she's always the same age. While she is given personality and and lives by everyone, she primarily has one occupation, whereas Barbie has many. But uh, people also create stories and lives with her. Mm.
2: Yeah, that makes sense, because you have the projecting... I don't know if it's the same with male fans but with the female fans from that one piece there's like a projection of aspirations yes Hmm. interesting i hadn't thought about that
0: yeah i mean don't have that same kind of sense of um, animism Mm -hmm. that japan does but we just have like the image of barbie and a couple of facts and away you go
2: yeah there's so much in the topic of hatsune miku right There's, like, the whole fan collaboration aspect. There's, like, the technological aspect. There's the pop idol, idolatry, idleness Mm -hmm. angle. But it's,
0: like, it's very difficult to distill it down. This touches on so many different things. Yeah. But again, I did not realize what we were getting into.
2: (laughs) Yeah, well, one thing that I do not want to talk about is people being creepy and gross. Yeah. Because... Don't do it. As previously mentioned, she is a 16-year-old. Yeah. And I'm sure... That there is a sexual aspect to that. And we're not going to start talking about that aspect of fandoms today. But I wanted to make a note of it because I think that is an aspect too. I hope it is not a very large component. I'm assuming it is more of the moe, like not romantic, not sexual, just like those kinds of feelings.
0: Just like it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's weird. I thought people would be more into, maybe, are there vocaloid bands?
2: I've seen pairings. (laughs) Like
0: different vocalites performing together, but not like entire bands. Because I see the range of Vocaloids and I think of it like I think of like, you know, people being into like boy bands. Mm-hmm. You know, like you have your favorite kind of thing. But Miku is just like way, she's like the Justin Timberlake. <laughs> like she is way <laughs> up top and it sort of embodies Vocaloids.
2: Yeah, because yeah, there have been many since her inception. Mm-hmm.
0: Or oh, there are lots.
2: Maybe after she was created, the genie had been let out of the bottle and he couldn't put it back. That's right. We're going behind the music on this one. Um, No. No, sir. Maybe what had happened was you get Hatsune Miku. She's the most prominent. They come out with other vocaloids. But at that point, what made her the most popular was that she was the first of her kind. And the other ones exist and they kind of have that sort of status, but they're not the same. And so maybe they're just really good artificial singers, which is what the software was actually originally intended for. And so they live perfectly well up to that purpose. But you can't cause the same fanaticism to happen a second time. Yeah. Unless there's like an actual robot performing on stage. And then we'll see something different maybe.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. Or like you have like Siri Hatsune Miku. (laughs) Or Cortana. Cortana would make more sense.
0: Is there an embodiment of Cortana or like Alexa or Siri? I mean, Cortana,
2: like Microsoft's Siri equivalent, like, the name is based off of Cortana, the character from Halo, hmm. who is herself an AI that has a holographic form. Hmm. Yeah. And they're all women. That came up in the Moe Manifesto, too. It's like, why do people only seem to have Moe feelings towards women? There was, like, a weird pseudo-sexist, but maybe I'm just not super familiar with Japanese culture thing going on there. But Because hmm. they talked about little boys and not so much the Moe feelings. Interesting. And then they talked about Magical Girls. is very interesting, but definitely a topic for a different episode. Mm-hmm. Do we want to get to the verdict? Let's do it. Yep. All right. Get By a completely random die roll, uh, I pick Z. All right.
1: There's no denying that Hatsune Miku is a big deal in Japan. Like those shirts with the Colossal Titan on them saying, I'm big in Japan. Hatsune Miku, <laughs> big in Japan. <laughs> I mean, apparently, in 2009, there was a petition to uh, get some Hatsunimiku aluminum plates to be used as a balancing weight for the Japanese Venus spacecraft Akatsuki. And this petition required 10,000 signatures and managed to get 14,000 by the time it was due. Oh, dang. So there is Hatsunimiku stuff in space. Dang. Which means
0: if that thing ever comes back she'll still be around
1: (laughs) all of her memory banks are saved in one of those aluminum discs oh man it also means that like at the time in 2009 she was a big deal i think she still is in japan although maybe maybe in the same way that like musically justin timberlake is today you know he's kind of branched out into acting when's the hatsune miku movie coming out that's what i want to know hang
0: on (laughs) (laughs) there is a hatsune miku anime
1: yeah for sure but like it is definitely a big deal and i can understand why you know you've got the cultural reasons both historical and current you've got the whole like just basic fandom psychology reasons the whole shared experience it's this idol who you could have sing about anything and everything it's something that belongs to you in a way because you're creating for it but doesn't because well it's not your creation in a way it's it's this weird nebulous thing that just seems like everything fell into place for it to be huge in Japan. But I am, as they say, out. Not because I didn't enjoy what I saw. Not because I don't think that uh, Hatsune Miku and the Vocaloids are a neat idea. But just because it seems like, you know, J-pop.
0: Yeah, like, I would say it's indistinguishable from J-pop, I've heard. Mm-hmm. There's no, like, oh, computery voice, mm-hmm. like turtle fake yeah. like it sounds similar to all the other j pop that's going on <laughs> <laughs> that i have heard people are going to be drawn to like cute anime characters and uh you know especially in japan that is like a japanese style Mm-hmm. Um, japanese art style japanese animation style everybody kind of gets it it's like if we had american one or north american one it was like in the style of like adventure time
3: mm-hmm
0: not very specifically Adventure Time, but a lot of comics seem to be in that sort of style. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't raise an eyebrow if you saw more cartoons looking like that or, or, or whatever. And some people were going to be stirred away by the anime style. I saw a huge raging debate in a board game thread about how people wouldn't buy Tragedy Looper because of the art.
2: Oh, wow. What? That was one of the reasons that I bought
3: the game. <laughs> <laughs>
0: some people like that style, some people don't like that style. Oh, man. And yeah, it doesn't feel to me like there's enough to make fic about, because you'd have to invent basically the character as well.
1: I did uh, look it up really quickly. On fanfiction.net, there was about a thousand pieces of fanfiction, and on archive of our own, there was only about 576.
0: I mean, it makes sense that there is some. Yeah. There's probably a lot more fan art than there is fanfiction. Yeah. Because you have a source, right? Yeah. Like, she looks like that, jar in your style like that, or whatever situations like that. That's kind of cool. I caught a bit of a a talk by someone named Tara Knight, who actually designed the little videos I was talking earlier that were in an exhibit for Hatsune Miku. Mm -hmm. And there's a video of her doing something called Design at Large, giving a talk about Miku, the open source girl who conquered the world. And, like, the open source girl is, like, the key part of that. We've said several times she belongs to everyone and no one. Mm -hmm. So it's like that creative element. You're putting your creative spin on something that people are kind of familiar with. Yeah. So, on one hand, you add to the the Hatsune Miku canon, which is wide open. And secondly, people are able to kind of grok what you did specifically. Mm -hmm. Because if you draw Hatsune Miku, they'll they'll kind of know what the official art looks like versus what you did and kind of see what you're doing. Or if you make Hatsune Miku track. If they listen to some before, they can kind of figure out what you've done. That's a little bit different. So it's like an interesting way of artistic expression. Yeah. In the, in the same way that uh, fan fiction is taking characters people know, but you're doing something different with them. Mm-hmm. It's like all fan fiction technically, but there's no canon anyway. So it's all canon. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? That's kind of cool. Personally, I don't care about Hatsune Miku, the pop idol. Like whatever. It sounds like pop music. It's fine. So, provisionally, on Hatsune Miku herself, I'll say I am out. On the idea of Vocaloids and Vocaloid technology, I am 1,000% in. I want this, like, software yesterday. <laughs> I want to make <laughs> Vocaloid tracks really badly. Oh, man. You know, it's like a lot of what I do now, except now I have a singer. that I can manipulate their syllables and, oh, man. and tones and everything. It's just like adding another instrument. <laughs> uh, I love this idea. The Vocaloid idea and like I don't know how else to really express it. It really grabs me in that like it has that parallel line of like everybody knows like kind of the voice, but they're doing so many different things with it. I was listening to some reggae dancehall Hatsune Miku tracks. There were like experimental hip hop tracks I was listening to that were great. There was metal I didn't wasn't interested in clicking on that, but like dark electro stuff that uses her like really uses her voice more as an instrument in like a looping chord of way as opposed to singing. But, uh, yeah, I like the idea of this sort of community of people are doing all kinds of different things with this one, you know, blank sheet of paper or blank slate that is Hatsune Miku and Vocaloids. So, uh, yeah, that's my verdict. That's one heck of a verdict. If I gave you time, <laughs> to think of yours, T.
3: <laughs>
2: yep. Um, well, I mean, I'll either keep it short and sweet or I'll ramble a lot or probably both, you know. Yeah. There's only really two ways it can go or one and a half or whatever. It doesn't really matter. Um... <laughs> I find the whole concept of Hatsune Miku fascinating. It is the synthesis of so many different things that we talk about when we talk about fandoms. It is this interesting combination of something that is very specific and uh, real, but also not. It is It crosses over so many different issues of fandom. I really love anime and manga, and it gets into this whole world of Moe, as I talked at some length during this episode. And I really wish I could have had some demographic information so we could, you know, apply some sort of rigor to it instead of just speculation. Mm -hmm. But it also talks about, like, fan creation and collaboration. It talks about technology and how it changes people's worlds. It talks about how we consume media. Because you're talking about a a whole, like, postmodern world where you create the media that you consume. And it's all the same characters, but it's different interpretations of the character and it's different people creating the works. Like, I find that inherently really fascinating. And then you've got all these interesting, complicated issues of, like, you know, what we glossed over it on a few occasions. Like, who is Hatsune Miku? Like, she's no one. Mm -hmm. But then she has concerts and is a very real thing. Yeah. And I find all of that inherently fascinating. And I cannot articulate how cool all of that is. That being said... I would say probably that I am out. I will probably listen to some more Hatsune Miku music. To me, it doesn't have any particular distinction between that and any other kind of, like, J-pop, J-etc. Which I like, so that's cool. But doesn't really have any particular distinction. Uh, I am also interested in more Vocaloid kind of stuff. But, I mean, in all honesty, we'll probably not pursue any of that. It's all very, very fascinating. But, like, actually, you know what? I might pick up, like, some of the manga I think there's a manga for The Disappearance of Hatsune Miku. That would be interesting. And there's some other manga that I've seen. Yeah. I'll probably pick it up. I picked up all sorts of random manga and chapters, many of which have turned out really well. And that'll probably be no different. So I'd say I'm out, mostly. But mostly out is kind of in.
0: Couldn't be clearer.
2: <laughs> yeah. Mostly dead <laughs> means partly <laughs> alive. It's my life. This would be the point in the show where we do the spotlight, except part of the problem with having a a pop idol is they're always busy all the time and they can't really do any charity work and you can't get an interview with them. It's really awful. Uh, No, part of the problem is that despite all these people doing different fan works, doing all these different creative works, I couldn't find anything specifically charitable. I found some one time events, which I'll mention without any particular source. Back in 2011, there was some natural disaster in Japan and one of the companies, Smile Something or Other, released a figure of Hatsune Miku and the proceeds went towards relief for that disaster, which is cool, but not really an ongoing thing and not really, you know, a fanish thing. That was the most prominent thing. There was a crowdfunding campaign to raise money for a shrine in South Korea dedicated to Hatsune Miku for her 10th anniversary. Hmm which is really weird because she was 16 then and she's 16 now. It's really her <laughs> 0th anniversary.
0: Bart's still 10. Has <laughs> <laughs> oh, been 25 years.
2: <laughs> but like, I don't think that was a permanent fixture. That was a temporary fixture. So I'm like, couldn't find any really cool thing to shine the spotlight on. Also, I'm pretty sure if we shine the light on a hologram, there's just less hologram to see. Mm-hmm. That's
0: something to think about.
2: That one's more hard science than (laughs) other questions we could have asked. But, uh, yeah. So I couldn't find a spotlight for this week.
0: If you're listening to us on iTunes, uh, go ahead and uh, hit that subscribe button. to get hot, fresh episodes of Fanthropological delivered into your inbox every Friday. Or uh, leave a rating and review. Let people know what's happening over at Fanthropological so uh, we can bring some more people into the fold. If you'd like to follow us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, we are the Knicks cast on all of those things that is a way to keep up to date with a lot of what we have going on but uh, the best way to keep up to date is probably patreon.com slash the
2: right you might be asking what that is well patreon is a site where you can become a patron of your favorite artists uh, musicians etc or in our particular case podcasters by becoming a patron of the Knicks cast you can be on the inside track for what we are getting up to whether that be going to different conventions whether that be doing more YouTube videos, whether that be the Race Against Time. What is that? You could find out about that. <laughs> Even as little as a dollar-a-month pledge is hugely helpful in helping us to continue to keep the podcast ad-free and to produce all of those wonderful works. Frankly, if you like hearing our sweet, buttery voices every single week or you want some incentive to hear it better, then become a patron.
0: With your help, we will replace all of us with vocaloids. <laughs> i
2: <I'm> mean in. <laughs> <laughs> given the right amount possibly that'd be fun to try <laughs> i did want to like take youtube clips of us and just like have the little mouth flappy <laughs> it's a dream that'll be realized one day anyway you can um become a patron of the next cast at patreon.com slash the next cast uh, we really appreciate your help and support
1: Mm-hmm. and if you're listening in on your headphones your earbuds your speakers your uh your dog's opening its mouth and we're coming out of it. What are you doing? You should be watching us every Monday night at 8 p.m. on Twitch.tv/slash The Next Cast. You could be watching us streaming this recording live, seeing our our radio faces, hearing our our TV voices, all at the same time. It would be fantastic. So please do come out and join us. Twitch.tv. Slash the next cast, eight PM Monday nights.
2: If for some reason Z's video doesn't work next week, it will be obvious to us, but maybe not obvious to <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Whew, fingers crossed. Um, <laughs> next week we will be departing from Japan, uh, which was the topic of this week, and flying all the way to uh, a little country, Mexico, Mexico. Ooh. To talk about next week's fandom, which will be lucha libre, which I'm going to omit wrestling because it's not lucha libre wrestling; it's lucha libre.
0: Yes, it's called lucha libre. Yeah. Okay. I think it literally means like free flying or something like that.
2: Hmm. So, what are everyone's famous last words before we dig into the research for next week's episode? <laughs>
1: <laughs> famous last words.
0: I'd like to go last because I do know a little bit about this. Okay.
1: All right, I'll jump in first then. Take some of that low-hanging okay. fruit. I don't know much about Lucha Libre, but one thing I do know, masks are important. Why are masks important in the sport, the pastime, the passion, Lucha Libre?
2: Okay, interesting. All right. get some. right. We're getting some heartfelt or at least sincere questions. Mm-hmm. I actually also have a semi-sincere kind of humorous question so you know the wrestlers are in character in masks has there ever been a lucha libre character who is like one character in the mask and another one out of the mask like you know how like it's like oh you took off the mask and it's like bruce wayne and batman and they can't be in the same room at the same time yeah interesting yeah
0: i want to know if like that's like part of somebody's story oh man okay slightly little background in most in like american wrestling I think even in Japanese wrestling. Whenever a wrestler's, like, working on a body part, like, wearing down a limb, always the left side.
3: Mm.
0: Always on the left side of the body. I think the idea being most people are right-handed, so if you do damage to someone's, like, really do damage to someone's limb, then they're not screwed for, like, their real job. This like, the origin of of working on the left side goes way, way, way back. Mm. But Lucha Libre, they always work on the right side. Why?
3: Mm.
2: That is... Both mundane and also very interesting. <laughs> like, it's such a, like, banal question.
0: Yeah. Like, I'm just trying to think of, like, like some of the differences between Lucha Libre and, and like American wrestling. And one of them is they have very hard rings, but I kind of know why they have very hard rings.
2: It's interesting because it's, like, really specific. It's a very specific yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Possibly why do they often have hexagonal <laughs> rings instead of square rings? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Things I'm going to (laughs) learn next week. (laughs) All
2: right. Well, better get the old Nyxcast masks on as we prepare to enter the ring. Oh, this... I'm sorry. You guys didn't know about this. I hope you're all, like, sufficiently jacked. Three-way dance. Three-way dance. Here we go. (laughs) Seems like we're going to have a real Mexican standoff. In that we'll be in Mexico and standing. (laughs) (laughs) That's how that works, right? You know? <laughs> Just go to Mexico and you're like
0: yeah, guess I stand off.
2: <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye.
0: Goodbye.
1: Uh, earlier it did poke around a little bit on uh, Yahoo Japan probably Yahoo Answers Japan there's a, there's a bit of the name in Japanese I, I don't know are, anyway. are we
2: becoming the Japanese my brother my brother and me hey
1: uh, <laughs> if you die if you die on an operating table and then I rub back to life does your birthday change <laughs> what a legit oh, Yahoo wait. Answers question uh, brought up on that podcast anyway <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, because you're only (laughs) born once. Wait, I don't want to get into this right
1: now. Uh, Anyway, though, one of the things that kept coming up on both...